0: Mac Power Users, Episode 113, Photography Workflows with Derek Story. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. Along with me is my pal, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. And we have Derek Story with us. Thanks for coming in, Derek.
1: Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure.
0: Now, for those of you who don't already know Derek, he's... He's the guy, especially for Aperture. I mean, for years, you've been uh, preaching Aperture and and teaching people how to make things happen. In fact, I think one of the first times you and I met, Derek, was at Macworld two or three years ago. And uh, we both had got in the night before, and uh, there was a lot of rumors about Aperture 3 coming out and and you said, "Are you ready?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm ready." And I said, "How about you?" And you said, "Yeah, I'm fine." So long as they don't, you know, come out with a new version of Aperture because it, it was rumored, right?
2: <laughs> and and didn't they do it like that morning?
0: Yeah, that the morning. next the next morning, Aperture three comes out. So you've got the whole like a, a, an eight days, an eight hour, I'm sorry, eight hour session planned around Aperture two, and Apple drops a new version. And um, I poked my head in in there beforehand. And I got to say, Derek's story is one cool customer because I said, so what are you going to do? And he says, well, I downloaded it and we're going to figure it out together.
1: That's what we did, too. And actually, uh, people said it was in some ways they they liked it better because uh, it was... We were all just kind of, you know, flying by the seat of our pants. And, you know, I know the application well, so a lot of my guesses were, you know, pretty good. But it's not something that I, that I would want to have happen again. <laughs> That's well, you for got sure. to have a really big pair to show up with a yeah. brand app and give an eight-hour session
0: on it without breaking a sweat. And, uh, yeah. and you did.
1: It was actually two days. It was actually
0: two days. Oh, it was two days. So yeah, it it's days. even... <laughs> <laughs> and and three and when three came out, it was a little wonky, you know, in terms of stability. But boy, it got it got better as they they came out. I was at three point one update was the one that really I thought really made it good. But um, so well, let's just back up a little bit though. And and Derek, just tell us a little bit about yourself because you're you're a professional photographer.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is what I do for a living. I I work for myself. I have my own business in Santa Rosa. And I spend my time uh, taking pictures and writing and teaching. Those are the, the main things that I do. And I have my own site, thedigitalstory.com, which is sort of my home base uh, for everything. And like, for instance, this last weekend, uh, I just, we did a two-day Aperture workshop here at the studio where we had people come from all over. I had one lady from Denver and another guy from uh, the state of Washington. And uh, we worked on uh, Aperture for a couple days, and um, today I spent uh, most of the day writing furiously for (laughs) deadlines that I had. One was for uh, Macworld Magazine. So, you know, every day is a little different, and uh, I shoot mainly for myself these days. Uh, I want to use my own photos for my projects, and so all the shooting that I do is pretty much for those projects.
0: I mean, that's true. You've really become more of an educator, uh, in a lot of ways and uh, the digital story is a great place to go because you have regular posts up there with all sorts of issues related to photography and uh, anything from camera recommendations to, um, uh, workflow techniques. Like I- I've learned a ton from reading the stuff you post.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's actually a balancing act because, uh, you know, w- when I was in school, uh the teachers i admired most are the ones that that had street cred that had done it and um and and so what i try to do is is balance my time between you know uh, actually working as a photographer doing assignments uh you know I, I have a couple promoters promoters uh, that, that I work for and low pro for me is a major client. I do a lot of work for them so that I, that I stay current that I keep my street cred up so that when I, when I do my teaching or my writing is authentic and um, it, it, first of all, I enjoy it. But second of all, I, I think it makes uh, keeps me grounded in my teaching. Well, whatever you're doing, it,
0: it's really helpful to me. And I think a lot of our listeners too, because the The angle you often take is is applying Apple technology to this stuff. And um, I remember, for instance, when the MacBook Air first came out, you were one of the first photographers that I read who was just singing the praises of of the benefits of that computer. Well, I, I guess I'd say the second generation MacBook Air.
1: Yeah, second generation was the one that uh, that got me going for sure. Yeah. yeah,
2: the first one was a little underpowered and.
1: It was I, the first one. Was you know I wanted I wanted it to be what I wanted it to be, but it wasn't quite there yet, so I had to wait. But when the second one came out, I, I thought they they really made a lot of improvements, and uh, I I did buy that one right away, souped it up a little bit. Uh, I I didn't buy the the stock version. I got the one with the faster processor and a bit more RAM, but uh, it was uh, I, it's a machine I still use all the time and it was a fantastic machine, but it all fits into the thing, you know, that I call, uh, being the nimble photographer. And, uh, you know, that's sort of, uh, one of the things that I have had going for some time, which is as a photographer and as a technologist, I just don't want to schlep pounds and pounds of gear around and you know, the, the, the direction that technology is going both in photography and computing is we don't have to do that anymore, but it requires, uh, you know, change. It requires adaptation. It requires exploring new tools. So I like to sort of lead the charge that way if I can.
2: Well, that brings yeah. us to an, an interesting, I guess, starting point of give us an idea of, of what is your typical kit that you use that that you schlep around with you?
1: There, there are two, two basic kits that I have. And if I'm doing air travel, if I'm you know, doing an international job or going over to the other coast or something, and I'm doing uh, event reporting, which is the bulk of my work uh, when I'm on the road, my kit has changed a lot, Katie. It really has. So now I can fit everything in one backpack, one low-pro backpack that carries on, and I carry a 15-inch uh, MacBook Pro Retina display, and I've I've gone with the 15-inch over the air. Uh, the trade-off being, of course, that display is gorgeous. Now, when they put the Retina display in the air, then you know we'll revisit all this. But for right now, I like the 15-inch MacBook Pro. I also like it having the second graphics processor, the Nvidia, uh, which is really great for Aperture and Final Cut. Really speeds things up. And then I'm using Micro Four Thirds uh, mainly for my camera kit. So I'm using an Olympus uh, OMD uh, with a with a variety of lenses. And then I have an iPad with me, and uh, the iPad is uh, important part of the kit, also. You know, you got to help me out here.
0: What, what is Olympus OMD? So <laughs> it's adorable,
1: is what it is. It is, it,
0: uh, is this the mirrorless, the new yes, mirrorless camera? Yes. yes.
1: So the Olympus OM line was very popular SLR uh back in the day of film and uh, it very distinct styling and Olympus did a very clever thing they have been on the forefront of what we call compact system cameras uh CSCs which are mirrorless cameras uh Sony makes one the NEX Panasonic has the G series Samsung and um of course Olympus those are the Uh, Canon now has one, also as this Nikon. But uh, those four were were the original uh, players. And basically what they've done is that they've been able to take the cameras and make them smaller and lighter by removing the whole optical system as we know it for viewing the image, replacing the mirror with more, either use the LCD or an electronic viewfinder. And uh, so everything's smaller. The lenses are lighter and smaller. And my favorite of all those cameras is the uh, Olympus uh, OMD, which is a, a $1,000 uh, body camera that's uh, very sophisticated and has uh, a whole bunch of uh, wonderful lenses available made by both Olympus and Panasonic because Micro Four Thirds is a standard. It's not owned by just uh, one company and so a lot of people make lenses in that particular mount.
0: Yeah, it just seems like it, it's a lot of things heading that way. You know, when we first started moving to digital photography, the SLR cameras, uh, you know, they just were the natural mm-hmm. you know thing everybody's going to get an SLR with a digital sensor in it. And I always wondered at the time, well why do we need to use this body style and this technology that was tied to film? And it seems like with the mirrorless cameras that are now really making a, a move that that's, I guess, we're we're moving away from that at this point.
1: Well, it's, it's uh, diverging is what it is. Because, you know, back to Katie's earlier question, if I'm doing a shoot here, let's say at my studio in Santa Rosa, and I'm doing a portrait shoot, uh, I'm going to use my Canon uh, DSLR because... Uh, you know I have a nice variety of lenses for it, and the image quality is extremely high. And in that case the 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 bulk or the weight doesn't make any difference to me because i'm I'm here or I'm throwing things in the trunk of a car. So you know for me, I want both. I want both my traditional <laughs> sounds funny to say that now, right? My traditional DSLR system uh, and then I also want my compact camera system too. And then I get to pick, uh, you know, depending on what the job is. Yeah.
0: It's it's an interesting thing for people like me who are just, you know, I guess you'd say amateur photographers. I, I have a Canon Rebel, a digital rebel mm-hmm. I bought, I don't know, years and years ago, and it it really does the job. I've got the uh the nifty fifty, I call it. It's just a fifty millimeter, I think one point four. And I use it like eighty
1: percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know that that's a great combination, you know, and I think the difference between um, enthusiast photography and uh, professional photography isn't the quality of the work because there you just have to look at on Flickr or or anywhere else to see how good enthusiasts are. They're you know they're doing amazing work. I think the difference is that when you're doing it um, for pay, you have to deliver you know, you have to deliver the job. And so, so you need, uh, you know, more tools because you're, you face all these wacky situations and it's not just, Hey, you know, I sort of, um, you know, I just sort of feel like going out and getting a, a fun shot today. You've got to get a good shot of whatever this is the client wants. That's what makes the tools go up. But in terms of, uh, image quality and, and great artwork, A digital rebel with a 50 millimeter lens can produce amazing results in the hand of, uh, you know, someone that that has talent. Yeah, I'm barely competent,
0: but, you know, it takes nice pictures because (laughs) it's got a very narrow depth of field. And everybody in the family thinks that I'm a good photographer when, in fact, I'm just faking it with a really nice lens.
1: Well, well, don't let them know.
2: know, Let let them
1: believe
0: it.
2: (laughs) What about taking it kind of to the other extreme? I mean... I can't tell you the last time and and I used to in in high school and in college I was a journalism major and you know shot photography on old film cameras and I can't tell you the last time I've you know I I sold my old film SLR years ago that I had a camera in my hand other than the iPhone and <laughs> right I mean so and and I'm getting some some pretty good shots out of the iPhone and it's it's kind of the thing of it's the camera that you have with you all yes. of the time um yes. So w- what are people doing with these types? Of, I mean, if if I'm the type of person who I'm, I'm taking snapshots or kid shots or family vacation shots with my iPhone, is it even worth it for me to look at some of these tools or should I just, you know, kind of stick with iPhoto and what Apple gives me and be done with it?
1: Well, I think it's worth looking at because uh, especially with the iPhone 4S and the iPhone 5, uh, these are excellent cameras in their own right. And of course... You can adjust the interface just by changing apps, right? So, I mean, this is is a dream come true in photography, and the pictures are very good. And as we know, Katie, a lot of people are recording very important memories uh, with their mobile phones. So I think workflow is important because we don't want those images to get lost. You know, if if you're using your DSLR, you're going to probably take the memory card out of the camera. You're going to put it in your Mac. And you're going to formally put it in iPhoto or Aperture or Lightroom, uh, depending on what you use. And hopefully you're even going to back it up and, you know, do things like that. Uh, People that shoot strictly with their mobile phones sometimes forget about doing that second part. And I'm concerned that a lot of really great images are, you know, might get lost. So I think you should look at uh, using PhotoStream and using, you know, these other tools, Dropbox Uh, whatever, and actually building a little workflow for your iPhone because you're taking great shots and some of them are really important and you want to catalog them and preserve them and back them up for the future, just like you would with your DSLR.
0: So let's talk about that for a minute. How do you go about um, backing up the images from your phone? I mean, you're the, you're the guy on this stuff.
1: Well, and, and, and I love shooting with my iPhone, too, right? So, yeah. Especially now with, uh, you know, the panorama feature and stuff. My gosh. It's, nice. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, I, was, I was
0: at a wedding over the weekend. I took some black and white pictures that are just, they, I was looking at them on the screen. They look amazing.
1: Yeah. The, the iPhone absolutely. 5. Well, here's what I do. Um, I use PhotoStream, actually. I like it a lot. You just have to modify it a bit uh, to, to keep it under control. So I use both iPhoto and aperture. I use aperture for my serious work, but I like iPhoto also. So I have an iPhoto library that is my photo stream library. So in other words, everything that I shoot uh, with my mobile devices goes into my photo stream that goes into this one iPhoto library. And the way I have that library set up is so that it receives from the photo stream. It copies the images from the photo stream into the iPhoto library. But anything I do in that iPhoto library doesn't get sent back to the photo stream. And you know, you control that in the preferences for iPhoto. PhotoStream has its own tab in preferences that allows you to control the direction of the images in PhotoStream. So I have it set up one way. So PhotoStream flows into my iPhoto app. It gets copied to my hard drive, you know, uh, via iPhoto and everything gets cataloged there. And I think that's really important because PhotoStream holds a thousand photos at a time. Sounds like a lot, you know, but we all know that we're shooting, you know, more shots probably than ever. And once those photos, you know, once number 1001 uh, happens, then if you haven't backed that up, that rolls off the table in PhotoStream. So you want to make sure that as as they're coming in, that you have some system to uh, save them. And I always like systems that are pretty automated because we get busy and we forget to do stuff. So I set up iPhoto to manage that. And then, of course, the thing now with iPhoto is, you know, you can have multiple libraries. You can even open iPhoto libraries in Aperture and vice versa with the unified library system. So you could just have one library that's just for PhotoStream. And then, if you want to have an iPhoto library for your family and for other stuff, that's not a problem. You set that up. You just switch back and forth. But I really like having iPhoto be the the container that holds your PhotoStream stuff as it comes in, and then actually backs it up, you know, onto your hard drive.
0: So now, what is the advantage of that versus the the way I do it? Is I just have everything going PhotoStream going into Aperture. And when I open Aperture, it creates a um, photo stream, a monthly photo stream library. Yes. Maybe I'm wrong, but as I understand it, my stuff is getting copied into those monthly libraries. It, it and, is.
1: It's a good system. It's a good system. The only reason why I don't use what you're doing is because Aperture is sort of my serious workspace. Gotcha. And, and I shoot a lot of wacky stuff with my iPhone. I mean, my iPhone is my unlimited creative silly self in photography so i shoot a lot of shots in in iphoto that i mean uh, with the iphone that i don't necessarily want in my my work library so i keep them separate for that reason but there's no reason at all david why you can't have everything flowing into aperture or iphoto you know either one is is very good and it accomplishes the same goal but I do need to have aperture open every month or yeah,
0: two to you keep do. up with that. <laughs>
2: Is, isn't that for like the last thousand photos or so? Yes, exactly.
0: So yeah. if I have, a, when we went on vacation, I shot a lot of pictures, and I made a point of when I get got home, you know. Well, obviously, I was copying over stuff from my my DSLR as well. But you know, getting aperture open and letting it work its magic was important. If I had just let the photo sit on the phone for two or three months. I may have dropped some off the back end before Aperture had seen them there, as I understand it. This yeah. stuff is actually a little more complicated than it should be, but
1: well, or just leave Aperture open. I mean, yeah. or I mean, uh, in my case, I just leave iPhoto open. And I think now with uh, Mountain Lion, it feels like stuff is happening even when I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. So yeah, but you do. You, you, I think you do need to have the the say the gates of your reservoir open so yeah. that you know things can flow in, and
0: well, then and then for me, down. I'm sorry, Kate, let me just really quick, uh, for me just because I'm not you know I don't have like a separate work photo library like Derek does, uh, aperture you know when I load in the stuff from the SLR that stuff goes back up to Photo Stream as well, so the stuff I didn't even shoot on an Apple device gets in the photo stream, which for me is really nice because then, um, you know, recent pictures where I may not have synced the library over or whatever yet. I do get those things on my iPad and I can share them over that way, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Photo stream is actually, is gotten a lot better. I think, uh, in the beginning, it was like you couldn't delete images out of it. And, uh, you couldn't set up individual, you know, streams and, you know, it was just like, ah, it's just like this thing that you can do one thing and that's it. But now I, I like it a lot more than I did in the beginning. And I wanted to keep going with this because we lost MobileMe connection and Aperture, which used to allow me to set up, you know, uh, galleries and do all sorts of stuff that, um, that iCloud still hasn't got to. So... I don't know if that's tied to Aperture 4. I don't know what's going on with all that. But they still have got a long ways to go in all this, too. Yeah, it's
0: interesting because when PhotoStream came out, it was so limited in its, you know, its feature set that it really got a bad rap. In fact, there's a whole bunch of guys out there who have, for, for some, for really good reason, developed this whole different workflow about using the Dropbox PhotoSync. And Mm -hmm. a program like Hazel to say, okay, I'm just going to automatically synchronize everything over through Dropbox up to Hazel and then save it to my computer and not even bother with PhotoStream. Sure. And um, I do think that, you know, with Apple stuff, if they don't get it right out of the gate, well, I guess this is true for anybody's stuff. If you don't get it right out of the gate, then people tend to just dismiss it and never come back and look at it again. And uh, I would recommend if you gave up on PhotoStream early to take another look at it.
1: Well, I think folks get impatient. Uh, you know, the whole thing in technology, whether we're talking about PhotoStream or anything else, is the V1, V2, V3, V4 thing. And, uh, you know, they can't wait until they have all the features of V4 before they release V1 or it'll never get out the door. So yeah. they, they've got to work off some sort of priority system and get it going and and live with it for a while and and get feedback and see what's needed. And I think sometimes uh, users in this day and age, they get a little impatient with folks saying, well, it comes out as a V1. It's not exactly what they want. And they, they get upset with that. And uh, it's, it's just not the way it works. <laughs> just, yeah. This stuff is hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard it to is. make this stuff. It's hard to make an iPad. It's hard to run an iCloud. You know, this is uh, a lot of work. It takes a lot of smart people to, to, to make it happen.
2: So let's let's keep on that backup train for a little while. So we know how you you back up all the stuff that you take with your iPhone, but you you've got to have a lot of data on on your machine because mm-hmm. megapixels aren't small when you get into all these these cameras that are shooting higher and higher and higher and higher quality pictures. How how do you manage all this stuff both from you know, especially on a MacBook Air and, or excuse me, I know you're on a MacBook Pro Retina, but still you're looking at solid state hard drives. Yes. How do you manage both archival this stuff because you can't keep everything on your Mac all the time. And then how do you make sure that you manage all that? You can find everything and that you're keeping it all backed up.
1: Yeah. You know, we're in another uh, in between state, aren't we uh, now with uh, hard drives uh, kind of being redefined on how they're used and solid state drives coming into the picture. And we all photographers want solid state drives because they make everything run so fast when we're working with these huge files but capacity is limited, as you're pointing out. So I use, I look at my uh, MacBook Pro. Uh, pictures flow through it, is is kind of the way I look at it. So when when my images, let's say I do a shoot, and I, for me, an average shoot will have anywhere between 300 and 800 raw files. That's kind of an average shoot for me. A lot of raw files. So the, it initially comes into Aperture. Uh, lives on my solid state drive and uh, I do my sorting and I do my first couple rounds of image editing on the shots that I like and and add my metadata, get everything pretty much the way that I want and then I'm usually moving some of those pictures on to whatever the goal was to the client or up online, wherever they were meant to go, and, and you're One, doing that in Aperture, right? I'm doing that in Aperture, okay. and I'm and I'm doing it on the Retina display Mac, it, which is amazing. Um. Uh, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. <laughs> now, now, and, real
0: quick, what is your hard drive size in your in your MacBook Pro Retina?
1: I just have a stock. Okay, Retina. so it's two fifty six with eight gigs okay. of RAM. All right, so just a standard machine and uh, nothing fancy for nothing fancy it's pretty nice yeah. um and then uh i though i here at the studio and if i were at home it'd be at home i have hard drives here that that i that i plug into and what happens is i have another machine upstairs here that um has big hard drives connected to it that has my master aperture library uh you know with the last I think the library that's open right now has something like three years of pictures in it. And what happens is then when I'm done working on the retina display, I uh, export out uh, that project as a library. You can do that in Aperture. And then I move it upstairs and then I merge that library into my master library. And this is really the reason why this is one of the, the main reasons why I prefer Aperture to Lightroom. I really like working on pictures in Lightroom, but when it comes to managing uh, large quantities of photos in this SSD age that we're in, the, the library container and the project container that Apple has designed just makes moving stuff around so much better because everything is in this neat container. Yeah, my image edits, my masters, everything. They're all in this neat container that, um, that I can move around and I don't lose any of my work. Once it's up in the master library, then I actually then move from what we call a managed library to a reference library. Which means that the masters that, that I imported into the Aperture library, those master files get moved out onto separate hard drives, RAID hard drives. Where they're stored and backed up and uh and then that's that's where they live, and then it goes on from there, Katie, where I actually have uh, drives that uh, that are at the house <laughs> in a separate location uh you know so I have a couple I have a couple layers of redundancy and then I run my own little network uh, also with a Pogo plug uh, so that I have a lot of images that I can access. Uh, from the iPad or my iPhone or from a Mac when I'm on the road, so it goes from there. But it starts out on the on the laptop. I do my initial work there, and then I move it in, onto the master machine and onto the hard drives that have redundancy and so forth.
0: So, really, the the MacBook Pro is is kind of you, you take advantage of the SSD for processing and working the images in Aperture. Absolutely, and, and then you just for cold storage, you get it on a spinning drive somewhere else. Exactly, exactly. Hey, I, I want to talk a little bit about what you do to process images, but before we do that, we should probably talk about our sponsor. We've got an exclusive sponsor this episode at Smile with their great software, and I thought we'd talk first today about Text Expander, which is just a fantastic application. It allows you to write little snippets of of text that automatically expands. To make great big long snippets or even short but difficult to write snippets i mean even in the context of this show i use um, text expander when i'm putting metadata into my images you know when i want to give a custom name and it's got a lot of you know unique stuff going on i'll i'll make a snippet real quickly to do that or even library names it's just it's just amazing the way it works that way have you ever tried to use a text expander to do small snippets katie
2: well, I use lots of text expander small snippets, particularly well, I've got date snippets, I've got time snippets, I've got keyword snippets for certain things that I, I use keywords for or that I'm filling in repeatedly. I, 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 I guess I do this with some photos, but I do it a lot in my paperless workflow when I'm when I'm tagging and keywording things that go into specific categories in my paperless workflow. And also just for things that are kinda of hard to type, you know, things that are camel case or things that have you know, funky abbreviations or things that are maybe proper nouns that I'm never, I'm always forgetting to type as proper nouns. I've, I've got a text expander snippet group, which is growing rapidly. Um, that's called my typos and it's, it's words and phrases that for whatever reason, I just can't type correctly. Like, Byword, for example. Whenever I type byword, the name of one of our favorite applications, I never can remember to capitalize the B, or the muscle memory just doesn't stick to capitalize the B. So you know what I did? Yeah. I made text expander snippet and it never was a problem ever again. Yeah. In fact, it's 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 a little bit of a problem because it makes me look not quite as smart when I'm typing on a computer that doesn't have text expander snippets, because I go back and say, Boy, I sure make a lot of mistakes when I type without text expander.
0: Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Well, fortunately it's everywhere on, for the, in the Apple world, at least you've got a version of it on the Mac and then they've got the text expander touch and they sync their library over Dropbox. So if you've got text expander touch on your phone and then you've got the text expander app on your Mac, no matter where you create the snippet, it just, it just works everywhere. And, uh, you know, I've got so many snippets. I am making them up for just little email things. Like I had a a technical question someone was asking me about one of the books I wrote, and it came in like three times. I said, "Why am I typing this over again?" So now I've got a whole folder full of snippets that deal with with questions related to the publishing end of Max Berkey, and then I've got you know whatever you can think of. I've got these folders and folders. Uh, one of the nice advantages of Text Expander is it allows you to create folders to organize them in. So I've got them for everything. I've got snippets. I've got symbols. You know, like when you want to write the. The, the uh, command symbol, like the command key, I have that saved as a snippet. You know, because when you're writing an article about it and you want to put that in, like Derek, that would help you when you're doing selling somebody. To hold command S or something. You can just type the snippet in. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool.
2: Yeah, I yeah. I have one for just um, greetings and sign offs. So if I type TK semicolon thanks yeah. comma, or actually it's carriage return carriage return thanks comma a new line Katie.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh people I think the original use for this was email signatures. Everybody talks about that, but in my day job as a lawyer, I use it all the time. I mean, I've got everything from a contract clauses to discovery responses to you name it i've got a snippet for it and with the new version 4 the fill-in feature has got way more powerful i did a little video for them and you can go see on the website i'll put it in the show notes but either way when i fill in something man it's just there and and use the fill-in forms that's the big power tip if you've been using text expander for a long time go now and try to use the fill-in forms because you're going to find so many uses for that that you never thought you'd have before Anyway, uh, we, we're both big fans of Text TextExpander. Uh, it's just the leader of the pack. It does iOS. It does the Mac. Um, it does a whole bunch of scripting things that are just amazing. And it's all in a nice, pretty package, and it just works. So can- please go check it out.
2: Yeah, you can find more information out about Text Expander by going to smilesoftware.com. It's available for purchase for thirty four ninety nine. I'm sorry, thirty four ninety five rather. Or if you have a previous version, uh, you can get upgrade pricing starting at just fifteen dollars. So go check it out. And uh, thanks to Smile for their continued support of Mac Power users, and we'll be hearing more about them later.
0: So Derek, now how do you how do you manage the pictures beyond Aperture? I mean, if you get into and you do do, do you do it all in Aperture, or do you go out to Photoshop, or what's your trick?
1: Rarely uh, do I go to Photoshop. Every now and then I'll have to, but I, you know, a lot of people just don't realize how powerful the brushes are in Aperture and how much localized editing you can do. And then also, even when you're doing global editing, let's say you're just moving a vibrant slider, uh, once you really understand what those sliders do. How good they are. So it's very rare that uh, that I have to go to Photoshop these days. Almost everything happens in Aperture. It's non destructive, uh, it keeps the file size small. It, I, I'll go to some plugins uh, probably more than Photoshop. Uh, I like, there's a couple Nick plugins mm-hmm. that I like a lot. Tell yeah, us about so what it. It. Well, the one, that, the one that's my favorite is Silver Effects Pro 2 by Nick Software. And I'm a big fan of black and white photography. That's what I did, you know, for years. I, I started in photography, by the way, when I was 11 years old and was working for a newspaper, a local newspaper by the time I was 12. So I, I spent a lot of time in the darkroom uh, over the years. And I just love black and white photography, and uh, Silver Effects Pro by Nick is a plugin that I use for Aperture that allows me to do things uh, with black and white images to create black and white images that I could have only dreamed of uh, when I was uh, working in the chemical darkroom. And every now and then in the chemical darkroom, I would I would hit something that I do on a regular basis uh, with Silver Effects. So I do use that one, but you know the thing about plugins. Uh, is that it's a round trip? It's what we call a round trip out of Aperture. And the minute that you leave the Aperture environment, Aperture has to create either a TIFF or a, a PSD file that's much bigger. Uh, it's bigger than your original RAW file or your original JPEG. And then you work on it in the external environment, the plugin or the Photoshop. Then when it comes, then that. Uh, application sends it back into Aperture, and it stacks it next to your original. So it's not something that you want to do all the time. You only, I only like to do it on images that that I really want to do something special with, because it 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 really does uh, add a lot more uh, space. It uses a lot more space in your library when you start bringing these uh, TIFF files and these Photoshop files back in. But uh, for my Special shots, I, you know, I, I do like the plugins and I, and I will use Photoshop sometime. I'm pretty good in Photoshop. I wrote a book on it, so oh, did I, know you? <laughs> my, I know my way around it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm a, I'm a big fan of Pixelmator and just cause it's mm-hmm. easier for me. And, but you know, I guess full disclosure, they're also a sponsor of our show, but it's, it's not, it's the reverse order. I was a big fan before they became a sponsor, uh-huh. Right. I I like the the leaner, you know, applications and and for my level of expertise it's just fine. But you know, the, the one takeaway that you had just said that I wanted to point out is the vibrancy slider and aperture. That is amazing. But you gotta be careful. You can't it's so tempting to just like crank that thing. But just with very subtle adjustments, the pictures look so much better.
1: Yeah, and we can we can share a photo tip right now. So the difference between the vibrance slider and the saturation slider is is pretty profound uh saturation is per- pretty much an old school uh design that slider and as you move it to the right it's going to increase basically all the colors in the shot and pretty much equally so it'll if you move it halfway and then everything gets to say increased 50 percent, so on and so forth well that includes things like skin tones and stuff like that so you can you maybe want to juice up the color of the environment a little bit, but then suddenly your subject that's in the shot look, has like one of these fake copper tone looks, right? Yeah. yeah, Vibrancy is much more modern. It's much smarter code. And what it does is that it increases the color of the environmental colors that are less saturated more. It leaves the saturated colors more or less alone and it protects the skin tones at the same time. So it's, that's really smarter. So if you've got uh, your daughter standing in a field of flowers and you want those flowers to really jump out, if you use vibrancy, it'll increase uh, the color of the environment, especially the colors that weren't quite as saturated, but it will pretty much protect the skin tones of your daughter. And that is, that's pretty incredible stuff. So nine times out of ten... I'm using vibrancy instead of uh, saturation because it's, it's just more sophisticated and it, it does a better job. Yeah, it's, it's it's like my magic trick
0: when I take pictures because I don't, I'm not that good at it. But the vibrancy is a great is a great trick. Now, do they have that in iPhoto?
1: They do. So. Well, he, here's what they do uh, in iPhoto: they have saturation.
2: Yeah.
1: But then they have a little checkbox. In the, in the if you check that box that says uh, I believe it says protect skin tones, uh, then the saturation slider actually becomes a vibrancy slider. Oh yeah. Well, if you're using uh, iPhoto, try that.
2: Well, yeah. how do I know if I'm ready to upgrade from iPhoto to Aperture? Who who is really how how would you say okay? You go you, you're ready now to make that move because Aperture's taken a big drop in price now that's available in the Mac App Store, but Do I, you know, is it that much more complicated? Do I want to add that much more complication? I'm happy with iPhoto. It does what I need.
1: I think if you're happy with iPhoto, I mean, if I don't, if you're not hitting your head against the ceiling, so to speak, in iPhoto, iPhoto is very good. It's non-destructive. And now, anything that you do in iPhoto uh, is there for Aperture if you want to move to Aperture because the, the libraries are one and the same. So, if you feel okay in iPhoto, then um, I, th- I say stay in iPhoto. Where Aperture, I think, becomes important is when you're starting to feel a little bit of growing pains. Uh, the image editing tools in iPhoto, you keep, can't get the images quite the way that you want. You feel like you need more tools. Or uh, backing up, you know, in uh, Aperture, you have the Vault, which does incremental backup of your library. It's very cool, very sophisticated. Uh, That's another thing. Managing metadata, uh, uh, caption information, descriptions, copyrights, all that sort of stuff is much better in Aperture. So I would say when you start to feel like you're not quite getting everything that you want out of iPhoto, that's the time. To start investigating Aperture.
0: Now, what about Lightroom? Where does this fit? I mean, when do you recommend using that?
1: If you're on a Windows machine. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you're that much in favor of Aperture? Uh, I mean, uh, Lightroom? Uh, I yeah, yeah over, I, over Lightroom. Yeah, yeah. I, I much prefer Aperture over Lightroom on a Mac. On a Mac. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, it, I think it depends on on what you need, though. For instance, if your big thing in in photo photo work on the computer is um, image editing and, and playing with images, the uh, Develop module in Lightroom is amazing. It's really good, and they have some tools that you just don't have in Aperture. They have uh, better noise reduction. Uh, they have uh, you know camera lens profiles in there. Uh, They have some stuff that's just outstanding. Adobe has done a wonderful job with Lightroom, and I like it a lot. But for me, in this world that we're in, uh, with laptops and SSD drives and being able to move my content around intact, uh, Aperture just does so much of a better job with the file management side of photography that, that I much prefer it. Uh, All these things that I do in my workflow will be very hard in Lightroom. But if you're on a Windows machine, Lightroom is far and away, I think, the best game in town. And if you're in a mixed environment, it's very good because it runs on both uh, Mac and Windows uh, virtually the same way. I think I have a
0: bias against Adobe products just because they're so expensive. and. They, yeah. they just feel like there's so much overhead involved with just even installing them. And I remember I bought the license for um, Adobe Acrobat, and it's just every time I would, like, get a new machine, I'd have to remember to unregister it from the old one, and i have to go find the disk, and you get updates. And then that Merlin Man is famous for his joke about it. you have to get updates to the updater so you can update the update. And, yes, yeah. You know, it's true, and, though. And it's just all that stuff just get to the point where I actively sought out alternatives. And uh, the reason I got an aperture was back in it when it was $300, there was, um, I forget what's the name of the computers or CompUSA went out of business. And every day I'd go in there and they'd have it marked down another 10% or whatever. And then when mm-hmm. it got down to like a hundred bucks, I just bought it. And mm-hmm. I never look back, but I always like the idea that Apple's making it so it's going to really interface well with the applications I use all the time, like Keynote and different things like that. And it seems to me like they've really hit their stride recently. I mean, you made reference earlier, but now you can just open an iPhoto library in Aperture, or you can open an Aperture library in iPhoto. So where my wife on her computer has an iPhoto library, I can open an Aperture and use all these powerful tools if I want to. Yep. Yep, so, Absolutely. Um, and I think that when version three came out, it was a little weak, frankly. I mean, it was, it seemed like I had loading problems and all sorts of issues and now it just works rock solid. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it at this point. And I, I have never really given Lightroom a fair shot.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of photographers uh, that I know and work with that, you know, Lightroom is their, their preferred app, but you know, it, it really depends on what you need, you know, on, you know out of your photo management application. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are on Windows or a lot of them are really heavy into, into image editing. You know, they really like to, to take it uh, places beyond what, what they originally captured. And I think it's really, really good for that. And then a lot of them have a bias against Apple products. Um, You know, so just like you're sort of talking about your your frustration with Adobe products, that really runs the other way, too. There's a lot of people that don't uh, give Aperture a chance because uh, they've been maybe they grew up with Photoshop or whatever, but they have a real bias against um, Apple um, software. And for instance, the fact that Lightroom is at version four and Aperture is at version three point four, there's like, well, Apple's goofing off and so forth. Well, they're not. They just they just keep rolling out the updates uh for free. Uh they're not making you buy a full version. But a lot of people see that as Apple not being committed to the application. When in fact that's not the case at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I'd like to talk to you about, Derek, is you mentioned when you travel, you take your iPad, too. And we've talked a bit about your iPhone. But just tell me in general how the iOS works into your photography workflows in terms of the iPad
1: and the iPhone. Yeah. Well, I love the iPad. <laughs> I really do. I have uh, the iPad 3 with the Retina, and I have an iPad Mini uh, also. And um, here's, the thing about the iPad is, and especially when you're on the road, and you have that that cellular, that easy cellular connectivity that suddenly makes everything a little bit easier. You don't have to look for a Starbucks or you don't have to fool around with, um, you know, maybe tethering on your phone or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, in
0: fact, when Katie was saying earlier how she uses her phone, I mean, one of the reasons just I don't the swing. Is- I don't use my SLR as much anymore is because I just love that the metadata is there, the, the geolocation, all that stuff is just in there. It's so easy.
1: Yeah. And I have uh, card readers for both of my iPads. Uh, and so I can literally uh, with my, let's say with my Olympus uh, do a shoot, do a shoot, uh, sort through the pictures on the iPad uh, pick the couple shots that I think are good, edit them in iPhoto for iOS, which I think is an amazing app. Uh, it's just I just love it, and I have a couple other ones that I like also. I like uh, Photogene, and um, I like uh, the Nick app. Uh, there's a couple you know really good ones. Do the editing really quick, and then right there on the iPad, send it up to the blog or to Facebook or to Twitter or, or to Flickr. And uh, then later on, you know, do the whole cataloging thing and everything on my, my Mac, maybe when I'm back in the hotel room or something. So the iPad is a really good uh, tool when you're, when you're on the go. Plus, you can do your web browsing and email and read a book and all the other fun stuff that you can do with it. So I, I just love iOS devices, and I love all the apps that we have, and I love that the apps are so affordable that, you know, I can get Snapseed, uh, you know, from Nick for, well, now from Google. <laughs> Google. Yeah. Nick. Uh, what what for, do you think
0: about that? Is that going to be any trouble for uh, Nick? So it, for listeners, uh Nick Software is like one of the premier plugins and post-processing uh, software developers. Now, Google just recently purchased them.
1: Mm-hmm. It'll be okay. I, I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, Google—they're smart, and I, I don't think they're going to uh, mess with the Golden Goose too much. Uh, they're probably going to put them to work on some other things, though, that they want them to do for sure. Yeah,
0: it seems I to me that they're—you know—it's a hundred million
1: them. with a hundred
0: million iPads and who knows how many iPhones out there that they're not going to just walk away from it.
1: Nah, no, I, I, I totally agree. They're, they're too smart to do that. So um, I think it'll be okay. But uh, I like the fact that I can get these really great software apps for my photography on the iPad and spend anywhere from a dollar 99 to four ninety nine for them. You know, it's just wonderful. And I, and I have to say, I I've written about this a lot where, I'm a different image editor uh, on the iPad than I am on the computer. I think uh, I'm more creative. I think I maybe it's you know because I'm putting my fingers directly on the image or whatever. I think I take more risk. I think I experiment more. Um, so I also I, I like having that in my workflow. I sometimes create pictures on the iPad that I don't think I would have done um, on the computer. Yeah.
2: Well, Derek, I, I want to hear more about some specific apps that you're using on your iPad and on, on your iPhone, but we do need to get in a, one more sponsor here for, uh, before we go. And um, so take a quick break and let's talk about PDF pen from smile. So David, I was using PDF pen just this week at work. I was uh PDF pen pro, I should say. I had to create some, um, I found myself creating this this document over and over again that I was sending off to people and wanting them to fill out and send back to me so that I could I could create a a, a new file and import their information and have all of this stuff here and I realized what I was doing is I was just sending them this this plain old PDF which was great. I mean they they'd fill it out, they'd handwrite on it, they'd fax it back to me or something like that. And Doxing? I re- I know that? it was horrible. It was horrible. And then I smacked myself on the forehead and I said why am I doing this? I mean, I, people don't, I guess, understand how to fill out PDFs, but I can make this so much easier for them. I could take PDF pen pro and turn this, this document that I have into a PDF form. And all they have to do is type in these fields that I designate and just email it right back to me. Even if, even if they don't have the ability, them even if they don't have the scan snap on their desk or they can't scan and send it back to me or, you know, Don't, I mean, I actually had one person take a picture of it with their phone and email me the picture from their phone and oh, it was horrible. Yeah. So.
0: So you use PDF pen pro and you made a form that you can fill in.
2: I made a form and it was easy. So
0: they make it really easy. You just drag open the slot. They've got all the various options you can use, like radio buttons, fill in forms, all that stuff is built right in. Um, you get all of this for $100 which is a lot cheaper than than competing products that allow you to create forms and it looks fantastic when it's done you can send it off they don't need to have pdf Pin on the other end they can use adobe Any or whatever PDF else software yeah yeah and so uh, you fill it in and you send it back and you need pdf pen pro for that the thing i love about pdf Pin pro really is like text expander uh, the way they've adopted all of the apple you know ecosystem we've got The version now on the iPad, now we have the version on the iPhone, and I just love the way I can work on something, what I call my hot documents and PDFs, and syncing them through iCloud, I can see them on any one of the devices. So I can have it open on the Mac, I can have it open on the iPad or open on the phone, and everything just happens. I can, you know, go jump between devices because I like to work in different places. Or if I'm sitting in the back of a courtroom, I can open my iPad and just pick up a contract where I left it off. It's, It's just, it's like magic.
2: And, and if you don't need all the advanced features of PDF Pen Pro and you don't need to create forms and you don't need to, you know, create long documents with table of contents, you're still going to want a product like PDF Pen to be your everyday PDF reader and writer because with PDF Pen you can make easy edits to PDF documents. You can sign, drag your signature, drag all kinds of edit marks and make notations and corrections to PDF documents. You can OCR your PDF documents. You can redact things out of PDF documents. And this isn't the kind of redact where you just draw a big black box over something that somebody else who um, has a PDF uh, manipulator can just move the little black box. When you redact something, it's actually gone, gone for good. And then like you said, it's the magic of this is, is it syncs up with iCloud, it syncs up with Dropbox, and it's on all of your other devices if you have PDF pen for iPad and PDF pen for iPhone, it syncs up there as well. So
0: Well, you can get all the versions and you can learn more about them at smilesoftware.com. Um, they've got every version there and in fact they've got some great videos there that I made. I I made an extended one about PDF Pin for iPad. If you want to figure that out, go do it. I get a lot of nice Twitter comments from people who really love that video, and uh, they've got the various versions you can buy in the App Store. So the PDF Pin Pro, which Katie was talking about earlier, is ninety nine dollars. Uh, the standard PDF version, what that is, forty nine dollars. Uh, right, $59.95. nine
2: ninety five.
0: I'm sorry, fifty nine. Yeah. And then you've got the versions for the iPhone and the iPad. Yeah,
2: and, the- and those are uh, four ninety nine and fourteen ninety nine respectively.
0: Yeah. It's just a fantastic app made by a developer who loves Apple products and makes products worthy of these, uh, these Apple devices we all love to use. I strongly recommend going and checking it out. If you work with PDFs, this will make the job easier.
2: So uh, thank you to Smile for their continued support of Mac Power users and go check out all their great stuff. So, Derek, what, what are your go-to apps on your, on your iOS devices for all of your photography? Uh,
1: I, I think iPhone, I mean, iPhoto for iOS is, is probably my first stop. I, I like it a lot, and I think it's fantastic. And um, then probably uh, after that would be uh, PhotoGene and uh, Snapseed. And that's for the image editing side. And then I also use a couple apps for taking pictures, too. I just uh, started playing with Snapseed on the iPad and it's really, really good. Yeah. Once you get the, I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole new interface and it's one that's just for, you know, a touch technology. And once you get the hang of it, it's, it's very good. Very good.
2: Now, have you ever used any of these, you know, one of the big popular ones were all of these new different um, applications to take photos with your iOS devices, like mm-hmm. the Panorama apps or or the different kind of camera apps. Did, did you ever use any of those or did you just do you just not take that many photos with your iOS device or do you find that just using the camera app and then these other tools to manipulate them are, are satisfactory?
1: I have three that I like. Uh, I like Pro Camera a lot. All one word. Uh, it's it really brings a lot of functionality to the iOS device that I'm used to in in the camera world, and uh, I like um, you know the uh, uh, camera awesome. Uh, I think that's a that's a pretty cool app, and then Camera Plus. Those are the three that I I think are the the pick of the litter, and they're all three good. Sometimes it's just a a mood choice, and then I'm a huge Instagrammer. I I, I I love Instagram and s- just kind of caught the bug uh, a couple months ago. And so uh, I've been using Instagram a lot also. Well, I, we, th- I wish we could put your feet up for that. Is there, I don't think it's the way to look it. Yeah, link no,
2: no they've got um, Instagram's got, you've got a website now. It's yeah. Instagram.com slash your whatever your Instagram username is. Surprise.
1: De- Derek Story, all one word. D- all right, e- you're e- in. D E R R I C K S T O R Y. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I, I, I liked Instagram. I had been kind of a fan of it, but I didn't really start using it until September of this year, and uh, because I, knew, I think part of me knew once I started using it, then I'd get hooked, <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. I did, uh, but I, I really enjoy it, and I actually really enjoy looking at um, other people's pictures because people use Instagram differently. And, uh, some, with some folks, I just feel like I'm, I'm following, you know, their life and other people they they do, uh, great artwork. So it really depends on, you know, what, what their thing is, but uh, I'm enjoying that a lot with my iPhone. I, I can when I try to use Instagram,
0: I always find I, I'm taking pictures of barbecued food. I'm not really sure what that says about it. Well, me. that's
1: your thing, David. You see, I guess, I mean, uh, you know, so I can, I can count on you <laughs> for uh, a glistening rib shot, you know, yes. <laughs> <I guess. laughs>
0: yeah it really is amazing uh the stuff you can do with like you said earlier it's like you change the interface with a different app and that's that's just a lot of fun i've been playing a lot with black and white on my iphone and there's an app i have i love i'm just opening my iphone right now so i can look it up it is called um hueless oh yeah
1: yeah i have played with that it's, it's nice. fun. It's
0: got the different fil- filters in there.
1: Yeah. But
0: the 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 the, uh, the real popular one at the Sparks house is Photo Booth, you know, where you can create four oh, yeah. Yeah. strips. Oh, Those are
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the kids like that. Yeah, so does the dad, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it, it really is nice, Derek. I feel like you're um, my simpatico, right, because you do all this stuff with all the Apple technology and you make amazing things and then you share with everybody how you go about doing it. And uh, if you're at home and you're interested in photography, whether it's iPhoto or uh, Aperture or just using your iPhone, I would recommend going over to the digital story and just subscribing because there's a lot of good information being shared there.
1: Just free too. Wow. Yeah.
0: I remember you and I exchange emails about a year or two ago when I was struggling to figure out how to share photos to my phone. You know, I wanted to have a uh, a library that synced to my phone, but because of the way I was using Aperture at the time, I couldn't get, load the whole Aperture library, and it was really complicated. And you said, "Well, just make an iPhoto library for syncing to your phone," and it was like the most obvious thing I'd ever heard of, and I couldn't figure out why I didn't think of it myself.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot Sometimes of simple's the answer.
1: Yeah, uh, most of the time, I'm hoping it's the answer, right? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, there's just a, a a couple other apps I'll just mention real quick before we sign off here. But if you want to move stuff around, David, between your different devices, between your computer and iOS devices, stuff, a really good app is uh, PhotoSync, P H O T O S Y N C, and it's a dollar ninety nine. Then there's a companion app. Uh, that's free from the Mac App Store. And if you take a picture with your iPhone and you just want to send it to your iPad or you just want to send it to your computer real quick, you know, you can do all of your regular workflow stuff later. You just want to send a a photo too quickly. This app is is fantastic. And uh so that that would be my uh, my other tip. Yeah,
0: it's a good one. I I've I've uh, I'm aware of this app and everybody that uses it loves it. i
1: Yeah
0: I, you know, for me, because I I'm really you know, deep in the Apple system, you know, it just works for me. The photo stream stuff works for me, but I mm-hmm. think this is a really great solution to, to move photos between different syncing technologies.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's uh it's good times. So anyway, so that's, yeah, I think that, that pretty much covers uh talk to me in a week. And of course everything will change. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. But uh, this is, is an exciting time for us uh, both in, uh, in, back technology and also photography and the intersection of those two is particularly enticing. Hey, I have one
0: question for you. Maybe this Uh is a loaded question. Um, And it's something that Katie and I, we get asked about and we never have an adequate answer to it. Um, What do you do in terms of photo sharing on a shared Mac or in a, in a home with more than one computer? That's really Uh two questions.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think a good way to go is just, uh, you know, where you want to do it on a network or, or yeah. you're using well, one I think that's the-
2: more so when you have the family computer with, with the photos, you want mom's photos, dad's photos, kids photos. You don't want everybody to have their own separate photo pot, but you want all the family photos together.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of like the, the iPhoto library as the main hub. And then, um, you know, mom or dad if they if they want to, they can uh, open up that library aperture and, and play around. And there are some little tricks that I've written about uh, where, you know, if you're working on a birthday surprise or something for little Jenny, there's a, there's a way you can open up that librarian aperture and hide it so it's not seen in iPhoto and vice versa. But uh, I, I mean I, I like iPhoto as as sort of the family app. Uh, especially on one computer that everyone's sharing.
0: Yeah, that's the big deal. When yeah, you know, it seems to me the the really the only solution for this, if you're going to be using the Apple product, is to have one user account that is the main place <laughs> for photos. Um, yeah, uh, where you run into trouble is when you try to have different user accounts accessing a single library. And I know that they try to make it so it works that way, and they have the sharing features and they have the other stuff. But it seems to me inevitably something can go wrong, and it's your picture. So you really have zero tolerance for error, right? You can't lose any of your pictures of your family.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the I like the family iMac with the iPhoto loaded on it. That would be the, my preferred way to go. Yeah.
0: I mean, ultimately what I did was just you know and it's really a challenge because there isn't a good answer for this um the family iMac makes a lot of sense like in my house we have like one iMac we share and with iCloud it's really great because everybody can have their own user account and it shares their documents when the kids are working in pages on that computer they goes straight over to the iPad later and everything works pretty pretty flawlessly in that mm-hmm. regard. But then as soon as they start managing iTunes or iPhoto, it gets complicated because mm-hmm. then they've got to log out of that account and go into the family account. And, and you know, as big of a nerd as I am, they necessarily aren't. And sometimes things, you know, get discombobulated.
1: Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a word. Hey, um, that's guess worked. what? Guess what, Guys. I just got the eight percent battery left on my um, MacBook Air here, which is <laughs> what I'm talking to you on. <laughs> well, yeah, right. well,
2: well, you you guessed pretty good. I I know you said you you had to go in about an hour, so that's a pretty good guess. Sorry to keep yeah. that long. So, well, I, I feel well, Derek, b- before that. you go,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: but before you go, why don't you tell everybody where can they find you if they if they want information, if they want to know wh- uh, what you do and and resources that you use? Where's the best place to go?
1: The, the story dot com. I mean, everything runs through there. The Facebook and Twitter and and all that stuff. Just go there, and uh, the weekly podcast is there. Uh, daily posts. Uh, it's it's a fun site. We work really hard on it. I'm I'm proud of it, and I I think most most people would enjoy it. I think most people have a good time there. Yeah.
0: And Derek, thanks, thanks. again. Are you going to be up at well, Macworld this year? Yeah.
1: I think I might. Uh, I might be there uh, for Wiley because I'm doing a book for them. And nice. They, well, they want if you want get to Mac roll, so. Make sure to look Derek up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so. guys.
2: All righty. Hey, well, we talked so about much. a lot of good stuff, and yeah, in this show, and and there'll be links to all of it in the show notes, which you can find at our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at five by five dot tv slash MPU. So. Uh, we'll have links to all of Derek's stuff, as well as all the good stuff we talked about in this show, and so check it out.
1: Hey, Take thanks care, for Derek. having me on, both of you. It was a, it was a it was a blast. All right, bye bye, bye bye now.